Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome. This is Loreforge, the Ashes of Creation podcast, and the podcast for Loreforge.com. We're your hosts. I'm Jibs, and I'm joined by my compatriots, my best buddies, and the other two-thirds of <laughs> Loreforge, uh, starting with Sunny Ravencourt. You're very big on fractions. I, I feel like this is something like, are you trying to make up later in life for like something that maybe just didn't go as well for you in fourth or fifth grade? I constantly flunked math growing up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, you're killing the fractions now, though. So well, I you. feel like, you know, you got your revenge on whatever Mrs. or Mr. Uh, fraction teacher was in elementary school. That's right. That's right. Cash? Uh, I'm not, nobody's counting, but I am just going to say that you have mentioned uh, Sonny first in these introductions <laughs> for three shows in a row. And I want you to know <laughs> it's noted. <laughs> All right. This is episode four. Did he miss one? <laughs> no. Three, ep- well, oh, two. This is the third episode. I, I Math is hard. Clearly, he didn't do his math studies like I did on my fractions. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, gentlemen? We're back in the tavern. I feel like I just, like I got beat over the head with a stick for like 15 minutes straight before we started the show because of, we had a little audio scamp and we fixed it and it happened to be my soundboard. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, we're good now. Hi, everybody. <laughs> You're doing great now, but I want to pause here for a second. Isn't this show four? Didn't this, we launch with four. three shows and this is the fourth? This is the first show of the weekly shows now. So yes. this is this is the real deal. We yeah. are on to a weekly schedule now from now yeah, into are. eternity. Eternity. That was the point you were making because I thought we were back to the math thing. And I was like, I'm just going to check my head out of this right now. <laughs> I feel like that might not be our strong suit. <laughs> I do the numbers. Oh... Gentlemen, 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 how has your week been? It's been good. Um, we have been doing all sorts of fun stuff. It was fun to do the launch. Uh, I don't think that we could, uh, I don't think we could get very far into the show without talking just a little bit about how much fun we had at the launch. Um, we had videos and we had articles on the website and we had the Patreon and the Discord community and it was all a lot of fun. It's just, it's both a relief and a joy to be in the process now instead of looking forward to launch. I, I cannot say enough about how much better I feel now that we've got the train rolling down the tracks. So it was a lot of fun. It feels like now is with all the pre-work that we did to launch this show for Ashes of Creation. Now it feels like we can truly just dive into making content. And I think it's a perfect time because... In just, what, another week or two is probably the biggest developer update ever. Yeah, August 31st. So it's next week. Uh, for those listening on release day, it's this Friday. So, I mean, it's, that's, it's, this is the, this is a big one. This is a big one, which is kind of funny because we're showing up right as like, a, like just, this just so happens to be happening, which is awesome. So that's going to be fun to cover. But uh Yeah. Big, big moment for the community. I feel like with this particular release, that we're talking about the nodes, correct? We're yeah, all talking oh yeah. about that? Okay. Send good. notes. Yeah. Send notes. Uh, don't send notes. Don't send notes. Because <laughs> I know you will. And I don't, don't want do that thing. <laughs> don't do that thing that send we just asked you to pick. do. Uh, no, we don't want that either. Uh, the It is one of those things where I constantly think about this. Um, I constantly think about what life was like uh, for you two guys years ago when you were in this space and how how much more frequent and how deep the news releases are now. Because we you're right. We are about to come into a massive dump of information at... Uh, the core system of this with nodes. And so, Cash, just just enlighten me a little bit about how the, you feel that the development, um, the development, transparency, the, the whole system is working now. I, I think, you know, what happened last time when we were when we were in the space and we, you know, real life just kind of hit us and we had some things going on and it, it forced us away from being able to make weekly content. And that's kind of a big deal for us. We want to be a regular show making regular content. And 
I would say even though things were clicking along pretty well back then, having stepped away from the space for a little while, I mean, I say a little while, but it's it's been damn near three years. I feel like Intrepid as a development studio in relation to their relationship with the community, they have truly found their stride. They have found what is comfortable for them in a release schedule of information for not just the community, but for, for the content creators within that community. So having that extra three years of development time has not only given us a ton more content to cover, but it is really hit at a, at a good time in relation to their studio as well, because like I said, they really seem to have hit their stride. So for us, I really believe that it's the perfect time for us to come in here, especially because just by by the, by luck, we've started hitting some really big releases. I mean, look at what uh, what they were able to pull off with the cleric release. Everybody was like, excuse me, what? Seeing Tumok was a big deal for everybody. And now to find that we're we're getting right when we launch, we're going to get the the biggest thing that they've probably released besides the fact they moved to Unreal 5 is that node system. This is the heart of the game. It's the core of what this game is built around. And I think this is the perfect time for us to have kind of just popped in and been like, hi, <laughs> we're back. <laughs> Can we uh, want to hear about nodes? <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully, I think it was a blessing in disguise, uh, this whole thing, you know, coming back um, to this space three years. But yeah, like you were right. It, it was actually, I think, three years to the day on the 21st. So, you know, here we are. And and truthfully, I think you're also right with Intrepid. They have definitely hit their stride. And there's there's this, um, it's just very reminiscent of SWOTOR's pre-release to me now. You're kind of getting this steady form of, of release content. You're, if you're following their socials, you're getting almost daily content. I mean, they're just, the social media team uh, with Margaret and everybody just crushing it. But, you know, uh, from a content standpoint, when it comes to these releases they're putting out, they're they're starting to put more shorts out on YouTube. We're seeing these these huge heavy hitter streams, one after the other. It's it's starting. To, you're kind of starting to feel the uh, the old engine of the train, the hype train. Just uh, we're gonna turn the steam up just a little bit more, just a skosh. It would be okay with me if you never said Swotor development and ashes of creation development in the same <laughs> sentence ever again that's a little unfair that's a little that's a little unfair the development of swotor when we were in the pre-launch phase was good that was it was a very exciting and good time and when they had releases we were very excited about it it was you're not lying there however i have not i've never had a game launch that we've covered ever in my entire life where i still have freaking ptsd from what resulted <laughs> yeah but it twitch. was it was definitely <laughs> it was always exciting though because every wednesday i'll never forget i was going to community college to get my business degree and every single wednesday they had the drop and this I is true. Reading it, the Wednesday so. drop, like you said, the yeah. Wednesday drop was enormous. JB, I I absolutely agree with you that you know you were looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it. It was like clockwork. You would get that yeah. kind of thing. And I think that Intrepid is is on that same path where oh, yeah. we're getting these big, massive monthly ones. That's kind of replacing the Swotar Wednesday situation. But we're also like you like you said, getting a a steady drip of reaction and content and 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 things to just kind of chew and digest in the meantime before these big drops so it's it's a great sort of experience to be able to ride along with at this time i agree you know i personally i don't have <laughs> i don't have any confidence in any mmo no matter how good the development team is that they're going to have a flawless launch i've just been around too long for that that no matter how good it is and how prepared they are that the curveballs of an mmo launch are so enormous so enormous we're talking like randy johnson fastball blow up a bird pitches that you just <laughs> cannot predict and it there's nothing you can do and so you just have to roll with these things and be patient and that is 
hopefully a sign of a good community that they understand these kind of things. My fingers are crossed that that when we get there, that it goes smoothly. But I don't think that that event is related to the other ones. My glass doesn't look like it's half full, but it's half full. And I, I agree with what you're saying, but I have not had a development team in a long, long time that I've felt this confident with. They are showing us all the things that from the perspective of people who are watching the development of this game, they're showing us pretty much everything that is that proves that they are going to be a team that is on top of that kind of thing. And the reason I ask this, or reason I say this is because if you watch at the end of these developer updates, there's always question and answer time for Steven. There's never a, there's never ever a question that he does not have a well thought out, dialed answer for. Now, granted, he is an incredibly eloquent speaker, for sure, but there's rarely something that he does not know about or does not give at least the appearance that the team is all over that very thing or they've covered it in some meeting somewhere. For that reason, almost that reason alone, I have the utmost in confidence that this team will blow us out of the water with this launch. I think they're going to be ready for it. I think they'll be ready for it. Uh, I also, But I also think, um, look, servers happen like no matter how you slice it servers always happen it's just like a part of mmo launches i'm totally fine with it like i get it we've been around long enough to know like there's never been a launch that's flawless never been a launch that's perfect the servers there's always a backlog of people sitting in there then they start tweeting i've got four hours hashtag rip you know like or <laughs> just all the things and I, she's like you know what dude like this is this is the life Everyone looking at the camera. This is the life we choose to live with MMOs. A case in point. Case in point. I'll make it quick. I know my stuff's never quick. Anyway, the other day, <laughs> I, the other day I'm watching videos. I am not going to say what video I watched. I refuse to do that. I saw a video where somebody was upset. They were upset about the fact that they were creating that Stephen. They called him out. And said Stephen was creating FOMO because the because these um, cosmetic packs are limited in time. Oh, I, I'm not kidding you. Like I had to take a second and just like reposition myself in my chair, and I went like immediately <laughs> into like fight or flight freaking mode because I was like, "Are you effing joking me, dude? How? First of all." They've gotten rid of pay to win, which that's like the biggest one of the biggest issues out there with MMOs. People hate pay to win. How do you solve pay to win? You make everything that you release to the public uh, for a monetary cost, a real world monetary cost, be cosmetic only. Uh, you don't get any advantage in the game. You don't get like any extra stuff. It's just cosmetic only. They have done this. They have listened to the community. However... Somebody's upset because now these things are time sensitive. They want them to be exclusive things that you can get. And there was disdain about this. And I'm, I'm just going, are you freaking kidding me? When is the gaming population ever going to be satisfied or happy? Even when developers listen, they're pissed because developers aren't listening, right? What? That one torqued me. And I'm going to leave it there. But that oh, one, man, you seem pretty happy about it. Torked me. And this <laughs> this is somebody that I've watched with other games before and was like, yeah, right on, man. This guy's pretty cool. Yeah, I, that one bummed me out. There's something to be said about there's a reason why they're limited release. It's so you can create desire and it further helps fund the game, which further makes pushes people to buy. It's business. It makes sense. I get why they're doing it. I stand behind the reason they're doing it from a business standpoint. What more do you want? <laughs> exactly. That was my thought. What more do you want? Yeah. Uh, it, normally, I would be I would be happy to jump on the uh, cash is a little too get off my lawn <laughs> type of guy <laughs> right now because it's fun. It's fun to accuse each other of being old and out of touch. But like, this is a business 
This is a business practice. And frankly, they solved this one about 15 years ago. This is the solution, people. Like, if you don't want pay to win, you, you sell things for cosmetic purposes. Back when there was pay to win, I don't think you guys realize how much pay to win sucks. Okay? Pay to win is a terrible, terrible experience. And you will never trust any anything you do in a game that has that. Because you will just always in the back of your mind think, well, that guy just bought all his stuff. That is a terrible gaming practice, but the solution was made. I don't even know what game started to do the cosmetic things, but we all, every one of us in the MMO universe said, yeah, that's fine. We're good with that. Do that. That's great. <laughs> and I got to be honest with you, like how many, how many things are locked behind uh, conventions and limited time things for charities or you know i'm thinking warcraft skins or mounts or things like that like if you showed up to blizzcon 2012 you got this crazy murloc hat or something like that yeah if you didn't show up to blizzcon 2012 then you better hope that way in the future blizzard themselves releases that on their own internal black market because you ain't ever gonna see that again that is FOMO, that is giving people a prize for doing something that they want you to do. And that is how the business world works. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pay to win is bad. We don't need to go back to that. That's crazy talk. No, no. but FOMO, uh, like seriously, when I hear that term, like as I can we, can we this. give the full, can we give the full descriptor for people who don't know what that yeah. is? FOMO. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. FOMO is fear of missing out. And I just when I hear that term, because it speaks to exactly what Sonny was just saying, like about BlizzCon, like if you didn't go to BlizzCon, you don't get the cool looking little Murloc with the gun. I'm You don't get it. It's not going to be your pet ever. And to hear the word FOMO and how people are whining and crying about not getting something because they missed out because of time or it, uh, they didn't have the funds and like trust me I totally get not having the funds to buy some of these packs they're not cheap but if you think you're gonna see something that you're going to want plan better do whatever you need to do to save the $15 to get you the thing that you want like it's $15 you guys you go to probably go to Starbucks three times a week so make your own coffee at home skip it and don't make me want to hear FOMO and get a running start and flick someone in the nuts. Because that's exactly <laughs> what I want to do every time I hear FOMO. Plan better. I'm, so, I'm Maybe I'm old. I think at the end of the day, too, Steven has said numerous times that, look, everything you see here, you can get in game. This is just a different color variation of it. Even if you couldn't, like, you should be unapologetic about cosmetic stuff that is limited time. Remember, like, what are we doing here? What are we doing in this pre-launch thing with these packs? They're building a fund base to build this game. They're creating demand. If you would have said, instead of using the words FOMO, saying we're creating demand by having these limited time packs, people would say, oh, well, let me, let me, let me look in my macroeconomics book here. Oh, yep, look, it says creating demand is good for a business that's starting out. This is a good idea. FOMO, I'm sorry, like I cannot get on board with people that are complaining about this. This is a standard practice. This is exactly what I want, frankly, because it's going to drive more and more people to the game. And what are you what are you really complaining about? Like, that's what really blows my mind is I don't understand what the actual complaint is, is the complaint that you can't get everything in the game because it is going to go away at some point. Like, this is not new or different or even even a complaint. Like, it just it's really hard to. Yeah, it's really hard to wrap my brain around it. I'm kind of I'm kind of done on this. Uh, I I think Cash is, is sort of done on this as well. But no, like, I'm still mad. There you got are, any energy left for the show? There, there aren't many things that we're gonna get like a three emphatic, uh, you know, hit the button uh, <laughs> type of moments. Oh, but this awesome. one is it. That you're uh, you're not gonna get any apologies out of us for for creating demand for a game pre-launch. 
No, but what we are going to get is we're going <laughs> to, now we're going to get some of like, wow, these guys drew a line in the sand. I'm going to make a reaction to the reaction to the reaction yep. of the reaction video. We're going we're gonna to have to react to that. I can't yeah. wait for Asmongold's reaction. Oh, oh my man. God. It's going to be Inception. <laughs> He's going to look at it and go, these guys are nerds. I'm out. I'm not wasting my time with these oh, I love clown time. car. Oh, all right. Well, everyone, thank you again so much for hanging out with us. We sure do appreciate you. And if you're enjoying your time here, let us know how we're doing. Whatever podcast app you're using. Wow, I should not follow up with that right after that conversation, but I'm nope. doing it anyway. <laughs> shouldn't tell them. I am teeing this right stuff. up. <laughs> but uh, anyway, let us know how we're doing. Leave us your reviews. We sure do appreciate that. that was such an <laughs> awful idea. All right, so anyway, this week on the show. everybody except for that cash guy. He's a real ass. <laughs> <laughs> These guys yelled at me for 20 minutes and then asked me to leave a review. <laughs> Here's my review. I'm so offended. Let me poop oh. on your show for 10 minutes. Oh, I love it so much. Anyway, thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. We sure do appreciate you. And uh, so this week on the show, we are answering your mail with our first user-submitted email. And then we are talking about the non-forgotten pre-order package. So we're just going to jump right into this. This comes to us from... Dragon 42. Dragon says, Hey, Loreforged, I'm Dragon Warden 42. I recently saw you guys launch last week, and after listening to your podcast episodes, I decided to write in. What's the deal with the different building styles and cultures in Vera? Can you tell me anything about what inspired the designs in these cities? I'm really curious about how the mix of races and cultures makes everything look so unique. Thanks a bunch, Dragon. Thanks, Dragon. That's cool, man. Yeah, I like that of. he led into it with the Jerry Seinfeld. What's the deal with building <laughs> styles? <laughs> uh, sorry, Dragon. No soup for you. <laughs> well, who wants to hit this first? Because there is just a ton of content here. We, we uh, have so much to talk about that we had to get out the Margaret Crone uh, diction dialogue here to help us pronounce all of the different uh, races. I think we're actually getting pretty good at it. I know Cash is excellent at it because he released all those shorts. JB, I feel like, has got a more solid grasp on this than (laughs) any other game I've ever seen him play. I've graduated. It's it's a bit of a low bar, but he's killing it. Uh, Grab your Webster's dictionaries, friends, because here we go. Okay, so I'm going to start. We're going to go through these. We're going to go from top to bottom of the races, and we're just going to kind of talk real quick what the basic intrepid influence was for this. So you're going to start with the the Aelin. The Aelin, Cash, correct me if I'm wrong, is the human overarching culture, correct? The Aelin yes, are then the divided down into the Kalar and, and the Veilun. And the Veilun. Okay. Yeah. So, with the Aelin, just generally, they have a French medieval influence. That was their their basic thing is that uh, French medieval. So, French medieval to me is Notre Dame. It is your gothic European, just pointy thing. Like, it looks like you're... If you fell out of a window in any French medieval building, you are going to undoubtedly land on a pointy object and it will kill you. That is, uh, it's the cool sort of Transylvania, I think, look to a lot of stuff. Yes, and it's funny that you said that because French, um, it, basically you're right, it was France in the Middle Ages is what this exactly was. And you nailed it when you said the, the Notre Dame in Paris. But what it's also called... French medieval is also synonymous with French Gothic, which is that like all those like spire, super pointy spires and gargoyles and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So if you think like your Transylvania uh, type buildings, that's kind of what you're going to get. Um, and this happened like roughly around like 1140 until about the 16th century. These Gothic uh, cathedrals, kind of like the Notre Dame, started to pop up and they're really known for uh, for their height, like huge like really, really big, tall with like flying, what do they call them? Butresses, buttresses, buttresses, flying Um, buttresses, flying buttresses. And um, the reason that they did that was because uh, they were starting to figure out physics when it came to buildings and those, the height and those flying buttresses really helped to distribute the weight of what they used to make these, which was stone. The other thing that was really poignant in a lot of these buildings was stained glass. There was tons and tons of stained glass in these cathedral 
uh, type building. So that really is, I mean, that's going to be your, your Alan type architecture. Mm. JB, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you go here, but I want to get this point out before I forget it. This entire thing that we're going to go through for the next God knows how long is going to be therapy for me because one thing that I just absolutely hate is, oh boy, I got to rewind a little bit on this thing. Okay, real quick background. Uh, There was a period in my life where I was an attorney and I would travel a lot to all of these different county courthouses. And some of these county courthouses were built a hundred years ago. And as a, as a building ages, you have a decision after about 50, 60 years. You're either going to refurbish it and keep that original flair, or you're just going to burn it to the ground and start over with something that actually functionally works. And so you had this, this major difference. You'd either go into a box that had really good air conditioning, or you'd go into these fabulously ornate, hand-carved wooden doors type of places And it was, I loved those so much more. They are just spectacular to see that kind of architecture. Things like gargoyles, things like just intricately wrought iron, things like that is just a lost art in our world. And so for, this is probably across the board for MMO gamers. We really like that kind of stuff. Nobody wants to go into a box with great air conditioning in an MMO. They want to go into these ornate and cool, cool places that they're able to see intricate work done. Isn't that funny how that works? Like the gamer mind works. Like we want to see the things that innately in the real world we could just look at pictures at. But when it comes to gaming, we're like, we want to go into something that's very ornate, not something that has an, a box window air conditioner in it. And it's, you know, like it's mm-hmm. the elaborate is what we tend to gravitate towards kind of interesting FOMO like picture <laughs> <laughs> so next you've got the Dunir they have a Nordic culture uh, cultural influence so that includes everything from like Northern Europe Denmark Finland Iceland Norway Sweden Greenland Norse mythology dwarves from Germanic lore if you've watched the recent uh, five minute opinions on uh, Dune, uh, Dunes and Kill Dwarves or even listen to episode three we talk about it quite extensively but the architecture it's very reminiscent, at least from the concept art that we've we've seen, especially for Ashes of Creation. It's very reminiscent of a very traditional fantasy dwarf. You have those very uh, rough, not rough, very sharp lines, very sharp corners. There's and there's nothing really round. It's just very edged. So think rectangular. You see it in their helmets on the renders on the wiki. You see it also in the architecture. So think very just. <laughs> Not circular, very, and they, no one's watching, so they can't see us. But it's very, uh, and then uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's very much um, everything's etched in stone. I mean, right into the side of a of a mountainside, right? Like you know, speak that friend too. and enter. That too. You know, it's like that. It's completely that type of uh, Lord of the Rings Tolkien style um, door in the side of a mountain type. Yeah, stuff. even the way that runes are written. You know, runic letters are typically hard lines. There, there's not a lot of rolling cursive type of stuff in runes. They're just a series of what way the line is and what's connected to it. Everything yeah. about that it reminds me of door frames for dwarves. It's just door frames are so functional in the dwarven world. And if there's going to be something that's ornate. It's going to be just more lines. <laughs> They're just putting lines on lines. Right. Uh, it's it, it's it's very appropriate. When you see it, you know that you are dealing with Nordic dwarven architecture. Mm. Yeah, and really the only tie to to our world is the Germanic lore. Like that's it. It's nor it is Norse mythology. That's what all of that came from. Because there's really. I guess there's no inspiration from anything that actually took place. I really hate to say that because I know at some point in our history, dwarves were real. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Keep your audience under fire. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. I'm sorry. Um, But, you know, anyway, it's I don't even care if some of the stuff is derived from from folklore, because I think that that's what gives it even more mystery. So if you look at like this entire list of things that we're going to cover Besides maybe the Nakua, because I think they're probably the coolest freaking race we've ever seen. But, and we'll get there. 
But I really think that the, that the Dunir being the original race on Vera is going to still hold the title for the most mysterious. I think it's just, uh, well, we have them at the wait because Tolnar is not in this list because we know nothing about the Tolnar artistic influence or architectural influences or anything yet. There's really not much about them. So we might have to hold that hard comment <laughs> until we get more on the Tolnar because so far they're pretty damn mysterious. But anyway, I digress. We are going to dive right into the Empyreans. This one's pretty cool too because the Empyreans have more of a Greco-Roman feel to them. And that derived like in our own world. This was actually real, you guys. So if you didn't go to history class, then I'm going to give you a little lesson. Rat, rat meow. Uh, this was around 500 BC. So basically, when we say Greco-Roman, it's exactly what you think it is. It's the Greeks and the Romans. And the architecture from that was derived mostly from ancient Greece. A lot of their most representative buildings in their architecture were like temples and government buildings. And like the biggest example that I could find was the Roman Senate. And what you're going to see in the Roman Senate is just like if you look, if you look at a nickel or if you look at a penny, which my freaking old eyes can't effing see anymore, all the little details, but they're like tall, ornate structures with these large vertical columns. That's if you saw it, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. Just look up ancient Rome, look up Greco-Roman, and you'll see this type of architecture, just big, giant, like, I don't want to call them ribbed because that might cancel us, but... Um, <laughs> It's, nope. I mean, it's, it's the, these particular columns are not ribbed for anybody's pleasure other than no, the pleasure no, of your eyes. He's leaning into it, he is. <laughs> what, what happened? I blacked out for a second. Um, anyway, the Imperians are Greco-Roman. Big, I'm tall, gonna, vertical columns. I'm going to save it. you here. It's the Parthenon. It's That's what you're talking about. Oh, thank God okay. someone's educated who spoke. You're talking about the Parthenon, right? You're talking about a square... <laughs> be- oh, wow, that was a... That one was to the core. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> We're going to move past that one, and I'm just going to keep talking about the Parthenon. So the Parthenon is your rectangular building built out of the classic Roman pillars. And the the, the when you get into the Ionian and the, and the other things sort of subcultures in there. They're dealing with like how the top of the pillar looks, but the Romans were just notorious for stealing all the Greek stuff. They stole all their gods. They just gave them different names. A lot of the architecture, they call it Greco-Roman because the Greeks invented it and the Romans took over the rest of the world and put them up everywhere. So yeah, it is a, it's a very classic look. I love it. I do have a question about this, though, uh, and this is, a, this is a big question that maybe you guys can help me out with here. If the Aelin are the, the sort of overarching culture of humans, and you have the Empyreans and then the Veiloon, and the Veiloon are very different, uh, then who's building the French medieval stuff? Mm, the Aelins. The right, but the Aelins aren't their own thing. Thing, are they? This is what I'm not understanding. I thought there was two sort of subcultures of alien humans. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you see where my confusion lies here? Yeah. So you have well, that that would be the. Um, oh, I see what you're saying because it because it says alien instead of saying like Kalar. Yes. Yeah. So so it would be the it would be the alien humans are the Kalar, and. The Veilut. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So, oh, I'm sorry. I said Empyreans, but the Empyreans are elves. My, my apologies. I meant the Kalar. So the, the Aelins are consist of the Kalar and the Veiloon. Correct. And so the Kalar are probably the ones that have the French medieval stuff. Yeah, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, because it's described in the wiki as, as Aelin architecture having Correct. a French medieval influence. Yeah, so... I think what that means is that Aelin, this is just my opinion, I don't know for sure, but my thought is, is that Aelins as a whole were encompassed with a majority of them were the Kalar, whereas the Veiloon were probably an offshoot. As such, it's probably the same with the the Dunir and the Nakua. 
there's probably less of a population of Nakua than there are Dunir dwarves. Just opinion. This is exactly my question, and it works perfectly for the Dunir and the Nakua, right? You have the Dunes and Kill dwarves. And so are all dwarves Dunes and Kill dwarves, and then you just have those two subcultures, and that consists of all the dwarves. I'm going to give that a a reserved yes, because that's how I understand it. Now, according to Jibs, I'm, I'm kind of a dumbass, so I don't know if that's correct or not, but that is how, and that is how I take it. Thanks, Jibs. Uh, I didn't say that. I just said you simple. Can, you can introduce me second next week again. <laughs> I have something oh. special planned already. I'll bet. Oh, so when I think of the Kalar and the European influence, I mean, you, you guys have pretty much already, you know, hit it. Um, but the I think uh, very the traditional medieval that you see in movies, a lot of stone, a lot of cur- lo- the, all the castles, everything you pretty much you, you already you already see. Um, there really isn't too much that I can really add to that. Like you go watch. I don't know. Monty Python. That's you're going to that. There you go. I mean, that's pretty much it. <laughs> are, are you you're talking Kalar? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The European racial influence for their architecture. So, I mean, you know, like, truthfully, it's well, probably one of the less interesting as far as, like, original out of the entire group. So, you know, it's very much more like a Renaissance feel. So, you know, you go to that Renaissance fair kind of thing, you know, it's totally going to be it. So. Yeah, I think it is less interesting only because we're so steeped in it being, you know, I mean, the average white male American is just a European, right? So we're, yeah. we're just, yeah, that's we're is, this is, this is our stuff, right? So it's not yeah. exotic at all uh, to, to see that sort of thing. And frankly, it still exists. Like you can go over there and see most of this stuff in, in, in real life. It's not a, it's not a culture that has been wiped from the earth or they had to excavate to find these buildings. They're just still there. Uh, mm. So I would agree with you that it is, it, while it is interesting and cool, it's it's probably not on the high list of the coolest of these particular uh, pieces of architecture. But yeah. the next one, on the other hand, <laughs> do you want to do this one, Cash? No, no. I think you should take this one because you, you've expressed a lot of interest uh, in, in this next one. And I think we'll all just kind of add our own little flavor to this because I, I flat out, I'm just going to say, like, even though we might not end up playing this race, this is by far our freaking favorite for flavor. Oh, it's so cool. Yes. So this is the Nakua. And the Nakua come as a subculture of dwarves that, that left the mountains because they just weren't into stone ceilings anymore. I don't know what flipped for some of these dwarves, but they decided to leave the mountains and they eventually went down to the beach and thought, you know what? This is kind of cool. And so they became they became island and beach dwarves, which is so spectacular. <laughs> it is. Yeah. This is by far the coolest spin on a race ever in an MMO. I like yeah. it cuz they just they were just like all right, super dwarfy dwarves, mountain dwarves, and they just said, "You know what? F it." <laughs> They just leave and like go forge their own path and own trail, which is totally different from anything they've ever done. It's just, gosh, it's so cool. I don't even like stout. I want a margarita. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So they're, they're, (laughs) I mean, it's true, right? Like you got to think that the food and drink changed drastically from not being buried under the mountain. Yeah. So you're going to have the, can you imagine a culture of dwarves that, that don't like salted meat or something and would prefer fish and a, and a fruity drink and a coconut. I can oh now. My gosh. That is, that is some kind of vibe there, man. <laughs> it, it's it's <laughs> mind bending is what it is. Yeah. Uh, the, the Nakua definitely get their roots from the Maori, uh, which is a, a Polynesian culture. Intrepid absolutely leaned into this one and said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go full on Polynesian style. We're going to do the grass. We're going to do the coconuts. We're going to, I don't know if they're going to do the stone carvings, the way that you have the Moai and and things like that, but it is, it's all of it. Uh, They, they didn't, uh, they didn't decide to hide any of their excitement for making Island dwarves. And frankly, 
We salute you. <laughs> From Lower Forge to We Are, hats off <laughs> to you on this particular one. This is a very exciting idea. And we've done videos and articles, and God knows we just will not shut up about it. But it is, it is one of the coolest things that we've seen to see true Maori island dwarves. True, true. And just like in fashion with you loving the Nakua, I know someone who loves the Pirae quite a bit. It's not me or you, Sonny. I do. I, I love the Pyre, and I'm actually, uh, there's there's a funny thing in here that, that I, I kind of chuckled at a little bit, <laughs> and I didn't know. It was like a, a fact that I didn't know, but anyway, the Pyre is basic. it is your basic, um, I don't even want to say basic, because that sounds terrible, but it is your traditional wood elf. Yeah, classic, I, your classic wood yeah, elf. Classic wood elf. I've always Oblivion. played... Wood elves like Bosmer was my thing in the long stretch that we played ESO, and like even now, like you know, we're back in the world of Warcraft, and I'm playing a night elf, but he obviously he's he's a he's a woodsy type night elf. That's just how I, I just love playing elves. Anyway, uh, the Pyrae have a Navajo Native American in uh, cultural influence, which I was very very excited about because. I live in the southwest of the United States, and I'm absolutely a thousand percent intrigued by Indian Native American culture. I just think it is some of the coolest stuff to know that there were people that lived here before the world became, I don't know, more civilized, more, more, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to get even get into that conversation, but these folks lived off the land. They're like the original homesteaders and they were just crushing it, just doing it. And I just, I absolutely love that thought of living off the land and hunting for your food. And, you know, just everything revolves around family and migrating to where food is. And it's just an amazing culture to me. So anyway, very excited to see Navajo uh, represented here within the class or within the uh, races of ashes of creation. Now, Traditionally, their architectural type structures, they lived and they didn't have any like huge, massive structures or anything. They had hovels. They had domiciles where they 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 sought shelter. I mean, this was a very primitive uh, type of time for a very primitive people. So anyway, the, what they lived in, they were actually called Hogan's. It's obviously the English translation for it, but they were dome shaped buildings that had a a inner structure that was made of cedar or pine log and sometimes stone as the framework. And what they would use as insulation was actually like mud, dirt, and sometimes sod. So they would almost, they would almost look like a hobbit house hmm. <laughs> at times, especially during the springtime when you could, they could actually like, you know, carve the sod up and use it for insulation on their houses. So anyway, for all intents and purposes, like a lot of the Navajo lived in mud huts like, that's what they did. It, that's what was able to insulate their homes in the southwest of the United States. And then uh, now in ashes, obviously, they're not going to they're not going to live in mud huts. So the, the cultural spin that's going to be on the architecture for the Pyrae is actually like more of a woodland spin. So if you could think of like um, the Mirkwood Elves from uh, Tolkien, or if you could think of um, things that are just like more organic, like the Bosmer and Elder Scrolls, they had more of like a, um, homes built into large trees uh, in Grotwood. So anyway, that's that's the Pyrae in a nutshell and what their architectural influences are. I think that anytime you're dealing with wood elves, you, you end up with just a generally more rugged and nomadic experience than... High elves. High elves yeah. to me want oh, to yeah. build just towering structures that dominate the landscape, whereas wood elves almost always are building things that do not disturb the overall appearance of the forest, and they blend very well into the environment. And, you know, if, if you weren't paying attention, you might not even notice that it is there. That is sort of their their MO as far as those kind of things. So it does translate very well to the, to the Navajo because a lot of the uh, American Indians, uh, Native Americans were, were a bit more nomadic than a lot of other cultures. And so they didn't build towering structures that dominated the landscape because they were 
moving with the herds sometimes. So that translates that translates extremely well to me. Yeah. Yeah, and for me, I think one of the things is that it I love elves. Like in any game that I play, I absolutely love elves. And to know that elves is being paralleled with one of my very favorite real world cultures and that's American Indians, that to me is it's it's a nod. It's just it's a complete nod to and and it just shows respect for our real world's history. And it just I don't know. To me, that type of a nod is is very is a very respectful thing. And I know that's going way deeper in it than they probably even planned. But truly, that's the impact that they're having here for some people out there. I think that the addition of the Nakua, the the next race that comes to my mind that's very unique from an appearance standpoint is the Veloon, the the very much Middle Eastern racial influenced race in this game and with the architecture. So think Ottoman Empire style architecture, 13th century era, like Byzantine Empire, mosque style, high domes and like tall pointed um, spires. And with that, to me, like, I just, uh, I'm going to be honest, before the, like, I, I saw the, when I very far saw Ash the Creation uh, three years ago when we were doing Lore Seekers, it, I saw the Nakua and I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool, you know. But the thing that really stood out to me was the, the, the Veiloon, because it's something you don't see very often uh, in an MMORPG, at least that I can recall. I think of when I see this, I think of the movie Kingdom of Heaven and the fight that took place there with the huge armies and Jerusalem. And you're just seeing all these things take place. I think of uh, Assassin's Creed, just anything that's that's really pulled on stealth or anything that's very that has a very high level of swordsmen. That's what I see with the Veiloon. And I think it's a very unique a very unique take to br- really bring in this this um, Middle Eastern style culture. It's just very different, very unique. And also, also, I know it's a terrible, really a terrible movie, I guess, but I'm a huge fan of the Mummy uh, trilogy. Mm. And then, like, I even enjoyed <laughs> I the Scorpion Dwayne King. Johnson. So, you know? <laughs> I love him. You're not, just you're not so going to give love to Brendan Fraser on that? You go right to The Rock? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Fraser made the mummy, bro. <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, when I think of that Middle Eastern culture, uh, all the things that you said, but the one that really comes to mind that I don't think that you mentioned was the the trading and the bazaar and the oh, way yeah. that they have those open air markets yeah. where it's just stall after stall after stall of of all of these uh all of these opportunities to buy and sell and there's noise and there's smells and there's sound and whoa whoa and whoa all of that. what do you smells sunny uh, uh, the, the, what are you saying <laughs> the meat it's the meat they're cooking oh, the, the meat. meat oh okay you know, you see that India was it Indiana Jones? I'm trying to think of which one it was. It might have been Last Crusade, where he's over there, and uh, or maybe it was Temple Doom. I, all those movies like run together for me, mm-hmm. except for the except for the Alien one when he was like 90 years old. That one did not run together <laughs> for me. <laughs> uh, but the, just hey, that culture. Don't of- disparage him. Don't disparage <laughs> my Han Solo. <laughs> it's okay to say no, Han. You can you can let a franchise go. Sure. <laughs> But the the just the market and the the trading of that culture is so unique compared to other cultures, and it's just it's it's just so recognizable. When you see that, you know right away that you are dealing with that Middle Eastern culture of trade. It is fantastic. You just you just can't beat that. And so in in MMOs, you know, you usually see it in expansions or they're going to go in, oh, we're going to have a Middle Eastern expansion or something like that. But to have like a core race of that, um, you don't see that very often. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's actually part of their that is completely part of their their cultural focus is trade law hardship, just like you were saying. I, th- I think that's fantastic. And the other the other one that does come to mind, which I, I didn't want to overlook, but I think we did, but is the um, the Red Guard from Elder Scrolls. Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah, nice pull. Jeez, can't believe well, I we only covered yeah. that. We only covered that franchise for like three years, dude. So it's okay, no problem. You gave my Thanks soul to that franchise. If only you had some sort of reference of you could have pulled from, you know. Thanks for paying attention during my lore lessons. I really appreciate you as a friend. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, so here's another one. Uh, we're we're getting down to the uh, the end of the list here, and and you can't go too far without saying the Vec and Mesoamerican. So the Vec is an orcish race, and they are pulling from that classic Aztec sort of feel and vibe, and that's cool. There's there's nobody that will will deny that 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 Mesoamerican Aztec cultural just it's it just has to be called culture, right? Like it's all of it. It's the art. It's the architecture. It's the feeling of it it's everything you know that warrior mindset translates very well to your classic orcs now i don't know if it's going to translate very well to your ashes of creation orcs but if you were to give me a a list of races and you're going to ask me which one is going to be a warrior mindset above all i'm usually going to pick orc Mm. so i think that they might be hinting that they're going to go down that path this one really, it really does. And this was, this is a split. So you're looking at, typically we only have one version of orc. You get one version of orc. We're getting two with ashes. Right. Which I think makes it insanely amazing. I yeah. love that fact. And I know that the community was really rallying for some changes for the Renkai because, and we're going to cover Renkai here in a second, but Renkai were typically, they like the first renditions of the Renkai didn't look super orky. And they had they made a change to that. But with the Vec in particular, the Vec are more of like a goblin orc when you look at them. And even their even the traits that they have, like they're a very suspicious and sketchy race. So some of the concept art that you see just really you can see like they look like they're super suspicious and they're looking around. And you take that and you mix it with some of the character art that you see for the things that they wear. The the cultural dress of the Vec is absolutely Mesoamerican. It's like so nailed. Like they did such a good job making them into an orc, but they made them have like all these different tribal things so that like the, the nose rings and the earrings and the, the dress with all of the big ornate colored feathers and they absolutely freaking nailed this one. And then the fact that they are, they're so into the stars and into, um, what do you call that? Astrology. Yeah. It like they nail it. So this mesh, and this is just one example of how they have taken all of these different real world cultures and just made this perfect weave into a video game race. It just blows my mind. Like I'm really, really impressed. Like Nakua for sure. Uh, some of these other ones are, are, they're pretty damn good. But then you look at something like the VEC, like really pay attention to how they were able to pull off making an orc look very goblin like. And then you take a picture of an actual like ancient Mesoamerican and compare them to the way that the Vec looks. It's just art. Fantastic art. Gosh, they're all so alluring. Every single one of these races, not only is the architecture amazing, but just the races in general. So much depth. You, to you make a strong argument one. to you make a strong argument to roll an orc, and that is not something that I had considered. <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> but it's, I'm sorry, but I feel passionate about about the fact that, like I told, I've said it before on the show. I have such my heart just absolutely melts when a get when a game world that I love so much can mesh with the things that that actually happened in our own world. I just absolutely love and respect that. Mm. Yeah. Agreed. Wow. What a question, man. That was almost the, the well, yeah. We, we got, got one more. more. We got one we more. We have one more? Yeah. Yeah, we can't. The Renkai. We, can't we have the, the Renkai. Renkai. Oh, so I'm the, sorry. I'm the sorry. Renkai is our last one, and that is uh, an, an East Asian influence, and that's going to be your classic uh, Chinese architecture. We've seen this a lot in, in games with different, oh, 
not so much with races as much, uh, but we've seen East Asian architecture in a lot of different games. And so this is fairly trodden ground, but to apply it to uh, a culture like the Renkai, uh, Cash, you want to give us like 30 seconds on on how you think this is going to work with that culture and this species? I think it's going to be a very interesting mix because typically orcs are, they're, they're brutal, they're savage. Um, so the only thing that I can compare this to is like the samurai culture um, because it obviously takes, the Renkai obviously take an Eastern Asian, uh, like the architecture looks very Chinese, like uh, influences from Japan, Korea, Mongolia. So where you have those very feng shui type, they have the enclosed areas with big very big open spaces and i think that what do they call them pagodas Mm -hmm. i think they call them pagodas but it's very interesting to have the orcs representing the like eastern asian culture because eastern asian culture is typically very peaceful but can be very brutal in times of war so Maybe that's maybe it's another spin on the Renkai, but they do say like this is actual lore from Ashes of Creation. The Renkai, they say when they're angered, you freaking run, you go, mm. you leave. You don't want to be there because when they berserk, like you're done. So it's a really cool spin on both of those on an orcish fantasy culture and like a Japanese very peaceful yet sometimes brutal culture i will be intrigued by this this reminds me of reading the book on thrall um back in the world of warcraft the early world of warcraft days they released some books and and they described from the orc standpoint of what they wanted as opposed to the human standpoint of the orcs which is just these are mindless beasts that are just taking over our land and they need to be exterminated like animals. Mm. The orcs just wanted a place where they could live. And, and when it comes to, to Japanese culture, especially ancient Japanese culture, it's it's all about like the perfection of the task, the, the tea ceremony, the, the, the type of anything that you do is worth doing well. They're not out there just slaughtering for no good reason, which is what you typically, and I will even go as far as to say stereotypically, think of when you think of orcs. So I will be curious to see if they can meld that kind of concept that these are truly a species, the Renkai, that are looking for peace, Mm. but they will defend viciously if they have to. I mean, that is obviously also an attribute of the samurai, right? Like you don't, you don't F with them when the, when the cards are on the table. But they're not looking to start fights for no reason. Right. It's more of defense of their home. There's no doubt in my mind there's going to be RPers out there that's going to have Renkai just full-on guilds all dressed in samurai-style armor. That's going to be fun to watch on the battlefield. That'd be super cool. Yeah. They don't even have to say, Banzai! They can say Renkai! (laughs) And do their thing. What? Did that not work? (laughs) I I love the fact that you mentioned uh, World of Warcraft in this, and I hate to like go back and forth to World of Warcraft lore, but um, there was a there was a book that I read that I absolutely loved. It was called uh, Vulgin Shadows of the Horde. So where like you were talking the Uh. orc side, um, Vulgin Shadows of the Horde was actually when Vulgin, who was war chief of the the Horde at the time, was some stuff happened to him anyway. I won't. Uh, give me spoilers, but some stuff happened to Vol'jin, which if you played the game, you'll know, but he ends up in Pandaria and he ends up getting, um, he's very badly injured and he ends up getting rehabilitated by the monks in Pandaria. So you want to talk about like a really cool deep dive into East Asian culture. Blizzard freaking nailed that one. That book is just lights out. Great. If you're in, if you're into that kind of stuff and you're into World of Warcraft lore, but it, it it harkens right back to Ashes of Creation and this spin that they have with, with the Renkai I think could be super interesting for our peers. How good does a book have to be to sell grown adults on pandas? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I feel 10 right now. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Wow, well this was great. Thank you again, Dragon Warden 42 And don't forget everybody who's tuning in, you can always email us, contact at loreforce.com or you can call us and leave your voicemail right here on the show. We'll play it and answer the, the question you got. 
875-1776. All right, so before we close out the show, I want to briefly bring this up. to Quick PSA for everybody. The non-forgotten pre-order package. Very Dwarven-themed, very awesome, very ritualistic, and um, really bringing in the the idea and notion of how they honor their dead. So if you are into that, and by the way, this is the second-to-last pack The last one is coming September 13th, which rumor has it is supposed to be very spooky, and it's going to be the final one. It's the final countdown. Get it before it's gone. Get it before it's gone. (laughs) But wait, there's more. Uh, No. So anyway, yeah, go check this out if you're into it. I loved it. If we had more time, we'd definitely dive into it. But anyway, it's worth a read. Very, very good. Gentlemen. This was a fun episode. Most of this episode wasn't planned. That was good. Yeah, that was uh, that was surprising. You know, when you uh, when you really start to break these things down and you get into the different species, there's so much speculation on how they're going to work. But we're getting more and more information that we're able to plug into the puzzle. I got to be honest with you. The big takeaway for me was the the goblin vec. Aztec <laughs> culture thing that that yeah. I'm trying to I'm still going to take me some time to wrap my brain around that but that is that is just something that is super cool that I had not really considered and as I look at more pictures as you were talking you're right they do look very squirrely they do look like they have a, a very suspicious nature to them and it 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 would be interesting to see how that kind of story plays out and how that culture works with it with an orcish race oh i agree thousand percent i'm pretty happy about the um about the span that they've allowed us to to choose from uh from races i mean you got to think of it this way it's kind of like building a character that you really want to look at because you're going to be staring at that character you're going to be staring at that character's butt for <laughs> For thousands of hours, right? And so you've got to build a character that you're going to love and to be able to have these kind of very unique yet familiar races to choose from within this MMO, I think was just, it was just fantastic for them to take it into some offshoots that we really haven't seen much of before. So my hat's off. Agreed. Agreed. Wow, this was fun. Okay, well, to everyone who's tuning in, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We'll be back here next Monday on Loreforged. And before we go, if you enjoyed this show, please take a moment, let us know how we're doing, and uh, leave us a review on whatever podcast app you're using. Just by you doing that, it allows other people just like you, other gamers just like you, to decide, help them decide if this show is for them. And plus, we'd love to see your feedback. So anyway, you can always put that in at uh, any podcast app. Really, I guess the written ones are only on uh, Apple Podcasts still. So anyway, uh, you can always call us 516-875-1776 and email us contact at loreforge.com. See, now this is the time when you're supposed to tell the people to leave a review after we've done the good stuff. <laughs> Not after yeah. we've berated Not after them. Cash's pedestal. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Please don't forget to visit loreforge.com for all of our written content surrounding Ashes of Creation. If you like YouTube, which we know you do, go to loreforge, pardon me, go to youtube.com slash at loreforged and you will find just so much content. So yeah, very, very much content. Oh yeah, it's ridiculous. Cash, Cash does is, a great job. Cash quit his job. All he does now is YouTube. Uh, <laughs> oh, you can follow us on Twitch as well. We are streaming, and that is Twitch.tv/loreforgedhq. And finally, we have a Patreon that will allow you access to everything early, plus the State of the Owl, which is our behind-the-scenes sort of after-dark episode, which is already a big hit. Get all of that at patreon.com slash cash. You can follow us on Twitter if that's your thing. You can follow Jibs at Jibs IRL. You can follow myself at Cash Quests, and the cash is with a K. Follow Sunny at U of Coruscant, and most importantly, don't forget to follow the show at HQ for all of our announcements and if you're hearing us right now that means our discord community is wide open for anyone to join and i do want to give a quick shout out 
We did have a bunch of friends in there right off the bat that were helping us test some things and uh, a massive thank you to those friends for doing so. But I believe our very first uh, person once we went live was Reindahl, was it not? I yeah. believe it was, yes. Yeah. I think he was. So Reindahl, thank you very much, man, for being the very first person to join once we have launched. And thanks again for being um, uh, for being vocal. Like he's being vocal in the community and talking and shaking it up and asking questions. And it's pretty cool. So anyway, man, we're uh, glad to have you there and everybody else who's joined us. Just hop in there. We're, we're having some good, solid conversations. And it's just really fun to have people in there. So hopefully we'll be able to start playing some games and doing some other stuff with our community pretty soon. But come join us. Agreed. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful week, and we will see you right here next Monday on Lord Forged. Take care. Peace, love, and honeybees. Oh, you too, Yager. I love that stuff. Safe travels, everyone. <laughs>